0: This episode of the EdTech podcast is sponsored by Learnocity. Learnocity is the global leader in assessment solutions. Serving over 700 customers and more than 40 million learners, its mission is to advance education and learning worldwide with best in class technology. Learnocity's specialized expertise and pre built assessment APIs make it easy for modern learning platforms to quickly launch fully featured products, scale on demand, and always meet fast-evolving market needs. Visit learnocity.com today to discover how. This episode is sponsored by WorkTrip. WorkTrip is a curated and quality-vetted community marketplace for offsites, featuring specialist coaches, facilitators, inspiring speakers, relevant venues and experiences. Do you want to make team offsites more impactful and less of an admin headache? At WorkTrip, our mission is to raise the value of your team offsites so that you can retain and develop your top talent and high performance culture. We help companies to set goals for their offsites, discover and book suppliers, share information with their teams, and measure impact. Chat to us now at www.worktrip.com. Hello everyone and welcome to this, the 250th episode of the EdTech podcast. For anyone who has listened over the past six years or to anyone joining us today, thank you for subscribing and listening and being part of this amazing community. Our mission is to improve the dialogue between Ed and Tech for better innovation and impact and this episode is no different. First up in this episode, here's my chat to Felix Atkin, the founder and CEO at ShareZ. This is a timely update on the financial pressure schools face in these inflationary times as they return to a new term and some ideas here on how technology can help to connect schools and communities to ease the situation for both. If you're a governor or school business manager, do listen in. Here we go.
1: So I'm Felix Atkin. I'm the founder and the CEO at Sharesy. ShareZ is a venue hire platform specifically for community spaces. We're working with schools, places of worship, community centres right now in London, but growing very quickly. And we're helping those venues to reach their local audience and let out their spaces generate some much needed income.
0: That's fantastic. And yeah, we've we've got chatting uh, both from the EdTech world, uh, so lots of your um, uh, venues that you talk with are, are within the uh, sort of school space. And and then also from my interest point in terms of marketplace businesses. So I'm sort of obviously trying to grow one of those at the moment. So it's been great to finally sit down and, and have this conversation and hopefully one of of many more. Um, I suppose if, if to sort of expand for those people listening who are in that educational space. So whether those are school leaders, school business managers, governors, can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what percentage of Sharesie sort of meets the needs of that community and some examples of where you've helped uh, schools out essentially?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this is just a really interesting time for schools right now where funding is really challenging. Many schools are operating in deficit and now having to really put time into thinking about how to generate sustainable income. It's very, very challenging and and schools are already busy enough, uh, not least with coming out of COVID. So Sharesy is all about trying to just provide some tools to schools, particularly, um, to be able to manage their lettings in a very simple way to be able to manage a calendar to be able to manage payments interactions back and forth with people who want to come and let out the space just in a very simple way so we've created a platform that's a bit like airbnb people in a local community can search for a local space they can read all the information they might they might need to be able to make a booking and they can make an immediate transaction What that means for the school is that they don't need to have all that time consuming back and forth, talking to people, Uh, payments are taken in a secure way, and our team helps with those interactions, actually. So we have a team that's supporting and, and answering questions for potential bookers. What that means is that schools are able to generate income with far less admin effort. We've, we've got maybe two thirds of our venues are schools, and we lean towards primary schools. Those primary schools don't necessarily have a team managing their lettings. Quite often, it's managed by a school business manager, an office manager, sometimes it's the head teacher themselves. And we're a bit like an extension of their team. So on our platform, we create a really simple listing page with nice images very easy to navigate from a booker's perspective it's a much better experience because they have all the information that they need they can see all the available dates they can speak to us if they have any questions and then they get an immediate confirmation once that booking's been made but actually we're we're giving all the control to the school the school decides how much they charge to rent their space they decide on their own terms and they're able to accept or decline bookings as they choose to. So really, we're just providing the tools to, to make the process a bit simpler for them.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. And um, I just from the governor's point of view, from my, from my own experience, I think there's something about having knowledge of what the going rate is for those um, assets, essentially, if you're renting them out, because it's not always entirely clear. And I think sometimes Schools worry about you know what rate should we be doing this and have we got the um, resource to, to do that back and forth? But yeah, you're taking some of the legwork out of that, I suppose.
1: Absolutely, so actually many of our venues have never let their spaces before at all. And now they're generating between one and 2,000 pounds per month. Our top performing schools are earning well over 5,000 pounds per month. So we're able to guide them to help them with their existing relationships with with current bookers but we will also bring in a whole host of new bookers by promoting their space by helping them communicate with that local community and just raising awareness
0: and and what what's the sort of typical booker from so on the other side of things what does what does that look like
1: it's really interesting that actually the local community has just engaged amazingly with our venues, we get occasional bookers for people booking kids' birthday parties. It might be wellness events. It might be yoga and Pilates. We have business meetings and performances. We also then have what we call super bookers who are booking long-term regular recurring uh, bookings. So a super booker is a long-term recurring booker and that might be someone a kids club that's booking a particular time and place week in week out into the future what's great about that is it gives the school a recurring income and we are proactively going out and helping to bring those types of bookings in
0: fantastic um and then finally so what's the process if governing boards or schools want to sort of review how they can get involved with what shares up to as well
1: so we have really friendly terms. The incumbents in the market tend to have contract lock-ins, sometimes contract lock-ins of three to five years. They have upfront costs and fixed costs. For governors and for you know, school management teams, that means it's a big decision to be able to take the first step into working with a supplier like that. With Sherzy, we don't have any contract lock-ins at all. We have no upfront costs, no fixed fees. So we're taking away the friction to be able to take that first step. We're finding that quite often our school head teachers are able to make the decisions themselves with support from their school business managers, but we also will support with the governors as well. And we quite often sit in on those meetings to be able to answer any questions that they may have. We found that the decision-making process is actually um, very manageable, where we're providing all the information up front, and we're able to provide Great case studies as to how this is working really well with other schools in the local area. We're being really geographically focused right now in London. That means that schools are able to see all those other schools in the local area that are having success with us. And of course, that really helps the conversation internally with schools as well.
0: Yeah. And if people want to kind of follow up, find out about ShareZ, where should they go to as well, just to wrap up?
1: So you can visit us at www.shareZ.com. You can reach out to us at hello at sharesy.com. We have all the information that you would need on our Become a Host page, so you can search for us. And we would love to have a conversation with any schools that are looking to open up their lettings. We have a very simple onboarding process. So reach out to us and uh, we'll, we'll be back in touch very quickly.
0: That's wonderful. Well, thanks very much, Felix, and enjoy your deserved break this weekend.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk to
0: you. Thanks, Felix, for sharing all of your amazing work and good luck with everything uh, in the months ahead. Next up, here's my chat with Maureen Dunn, Neurodiversity Advisor to Lego Foundation and the President and CEO of Autism Community Ventures. In this interview, Maureen talks about funding available for innovation supporting neurodiverse needs and approaches, and the strengths of neurodiverse leaders on tech company boards. And this has uh, led me to some personal reflections on things like the prevalence of ADHD among entrepreneurs. Uh, So I really enjoyed this chat with Maureen. And I do hope that you enjoy it too. And finally, a big shout out to Learnocity and WorkTrip for supporting this episode. And to Andre Skeppel and Full Spectrum. Andre is an entrepreneur I've been following in uh, neurodiversity in edtech for a number of years. And uh, it's great to see his business uh, really uh, maturing and flourishing. So definitely go and check out um, what they're up to as well that uh, can be done at full spectrum so s-p-e-k-t-r-u-m.co.uk so full spectrum with a k.co.uk so shout out to Andre and here we go here's my chat with Maureen <laughs> Well, um, Maureen, what time is it where you are?
2: It is
0: currently 9.06 a.m. I'm on uh, Central Standard Time. I'm in the Chicago area. So that is a respectable time, but I don't know if you want to share with, with our listeners what you've managed to achieve already this morning.
2: Yeah, it was uh, qu- quite... Um... Uh, an emotional but important day. I've got five-year-old triplets, two identical girls and a boy, and this was their first time they were riding a school bus. So, um, you know, it was definitely uh, an interesting morning. Two, two out of the, two out of three were very very excited. The other and the third was a little nervous, uh, you know, as would be expected. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's you know it's it's interesting, and I'm, I'm sure we'll you know talk a lot about too about um just the future of education and how technology fits in but you know obviously that's my expertise but I'm also now um sort of living and breathing some of these issues as a parent too
0: yeah yeah no that's an interesting crossover where The sort of academic answer and the known answer and then how you experience that in a sort of personal setting can sometimes be quite surprising. Yeah, absolutely. So for our listeners, um, Dr. Maureen Dunn is an experienced neurodiversity consultant, as we've just heard, an inclusion trainer, keynote speaker and entrepreneur as well, and is currently uh, serving in the role as the senior advisor and special educational needs and disability expert at the Lego Foundation. Um, and this is for the recently launched $20 million Play for All Accelerator Fund. So we'll find out all about that later in this episode. Um Dr Dunn co-founded the first Neurodiversity Social Impact Investment Association. Um, She is also a faculty affiliate at the Discovery Partners Institute, a billion-dollar public-private partnership where she spearheaded the Autism and Innovation Initiative in association with the University of Illinois, Um, and this has the goal to revitalize the economy through partnerships that drive innovation and workforce development. And uh, yeah, you have a whole raft of of other incredible accolades. So um, my first question, uh, just thinking about that amazing breadth of experience and given your um, vantage point and, and view over the longer term is do you agree that there is now perhaps a better understanding of the positives of neurodiversity, but still a lack of mainstream support for neurodiverse needs, both in school and in work.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I've been part of this community for a really, really long time. Um, I've played many different roles, and you know, I, I, so I've been part of of achieving some of the progress at the same time. Um, so certainly, there's a lot more awareness, um, a lot more appreciation. I think for the strength based approach that the neurodiversity paradigm. Offers at the same time. Um, there's also so much more work that um, we need to do, and um, I think that sometimes, even even uh, when there's a lot of awareness, we've achieved certainly more you know more significant level of public awareness. There's still sometimes um, a lot of well-meaning people that aren't really really sure how how to um, in practice achieve the sort of ideals um, that, that, that have been set out. And, you know, and also I've just seen um, more recently, I mentioned how, you know, my, my five-year-old triplets have just started the first day of school, even just at at the preschool level. Um, My son in particular, uh, you know, who's neurodivergent, I mean, he, he had a, a number of challenges and it was surprising to me to see that there's still, There's there's still a really strong need to shift mindsets, you know. So even even with the progress that we've made, um, not it's there's there's still so much more that needs to happen. I think, um, especially in 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 understanding uh, these kids who sometimes have or most of the time really have what we would call spiky profiles, right? Like very very um, unique talents and strengths Mm. and unique challenges and the way the school system has been set up um is has you know for a long time been more you know the the inclination has been towards a sort of one size fits all and that's been a problem because um you know there uh, uh, there needs to be a more nuanced approach to be to be able to uh uh, really, really get see 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 the potential of these kids. So,
0: yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, um, I mean, one of my later questions, but I can bring it forward is, um, you know, given all that work that you've done and, and that personal experience as well, you know, what would you like to see come to reality? Because, um, you know, I'm sure that over the years you've had many recommendations and that kind of thing, but what would you, if you could would you fast track straight away to sort of bring that into reality more quickly
2: yeah it's a very interesting question because i think uh, i've got I, i've got sort of two <laughs> two responses to that um uh you know one i think um more innerv- innovation in this space is critical and this has been a space that has been massively underfunded and it's one reason i'm really really excited to be involved with Um, The Lego Foundation Play for All Accelerator because it's such a unique opportunity for um, these companies and organizations that are are truly rethinking their platforms and, Mm. you know, building inclusive platforms, because I do believe that that's going to be a game changer to making the world more inclusive in the future and filling in some of these gaps at the schools. I mean, you know, I mean, like the example I gave with my son, I mean, you know, a lot of these teachers... To be fair to them, too, some of them just don't have training. They're overwhelmed. You know, they have 20 plus kids in a classroom and 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 they're they're not really quite sure uh, how to meet the the needs sometimes. Um, And so I think I think that more innovation in this space and more investment in this space is critical is critical. Um, so the legal foundation play for all accelerate, that's what they're trying to do. And so, uh, and maybe others will kind of join them and follow. And so I'm really excited about, about that. Um, and then, you know, but I would also say though, so that's, um, in terms of fast track, I, I think the deeper problem is this issue of changing mindsets. And I'm not sure there really is a fast track approach to that. What certainly helps though, I believe is, just having really um, broad representation of the neurodiversity community, um, you know, in the media, in mm. television, in books, in being included, in, you know, in any products that are being developed, um, being highlighted. Um, just because I think what you know, we, we, what at every each step of the way, whether it's you know kindergarten or um, college or PhD graduates looking for a job. Um, there still are these unconscious and inherent biases and stereotypes, and and you know there's so many talented people out there and amazing people that should be highlighted, and people should understand how diverse and amazing and and unique every neurodivergent individual is. And so I think I think there's more we can we can do to um uh just uh, try to break traditional stereotypes or images about what autism looks like what ADHD looks like Um, a lot of the initial assessments and uh, uh, public images have been um, you know sort of narrow examples Mm. mostly boys and you know it's 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 a so I, I think that is, you know, I, I, I'm not sure there's a fast track r- way to change mindsets, but I think um, it certainly helps people that come up and sort of, you know, um, are public and are being represented in the community that other people, you know, that, 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 there's, that there's sort of um, challenges, the sort of stereotypes or unconscious biases people might have
0: definitely definitely um well i guess the first part of that answer you you mentioned um the playful accelerator fund so you know if you could tell us the details on uh who that funding's for what kind of denominations are getting given out and to who that would be great sure yeah and and that
2: that program um was in the making for many years there was um it started out with, there was a partnership with an organization called Play Included. And I know there was uh, a lot of planning in, in, in the process. And, and I, I was brought on as, as uh, you know, the neurodiversity expert and, and senior advisor. Um, there's uh, so it, 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 it launched in April of this past year in April, 2022. And um, it's a sort of a phased, process uh so there was 25 companies or organizations that initially were selected and uh, received uh mentorship and training and some funding um and then and so that was you know for phase one and then for phase two there was 12 out of the 25 then were that were selected for um up to a million dollar grant, and and so what's really I think phenomenal and extraordinary about what Lego Foundation is doing is to make this kind of of a, of a commitment and investment in neurodiversity, in, uh, investment in inclusion, um, and it be you know no strings attached, equity free. I mean, it's a grant, and that's pretty much unheard of in this space. I mean, certainly there's you know investors interested um, in this space, but there's also challenges in going to traditional VCs sometimes anyway. And uh, you know, this program's really fit you know filling this um, s- it's such an important need to to allow these startups to develop fully develop their product, make it evidence based um and and really meet needs, really critical, critical needs um in the world, like, you know, especially filling in these gaps like we talked about, like in education. And then uh and then there's a a, a phase three as well, then where a select number out of the, you know, 12 will become long term partners of the Lego Foundation and receive more funding and support. And then my understanding anyway is that um this is a long-term commitment and then that, you know, it'll, it'll be new cohorts going forward. And, and so it's, um, it, I think it's, I think it's really a game changer in my opinion, uh, for, for the community and, and just, you know, making an investment in this space where, uh, currently there's just, it's just massively underfunded. And I think that's probably the, the biggest problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, I guess one part of your um, discussion there as well was about innovation. And uh, obviously, it's all different forms of innovation, doesn't have to just be technology itself. But um, we've chatted about the, the role of technology in supporting neurodiverse learners before. I was keen to sort of know from you as an expert in this space, what you consider to be um, some of the better examples of technology as a positive force, and um, some examples when it may have actually worsened a situation for the neurodiverse. So, um, I'm sure for people listening in, either as educators thinking about this, or or those trying to develop solutions, that would be of real interest to them. Right?
2: Yeah, and and of course, every neurodivergent child is is also unique. So not not. Uh, there's not going to likely be a technology platform that's going to work for everyone. Um, you know, ha- have, having said that, I think um, there, I think it's tremendously important to have be, have more innovations in the space that can be filling in these gaps. And um, if you know, at least in terms of you know, I, I'm also you had mentioned that about the social in- uh, impact investment association I co-founded, so I've been in, in, involved. Um, in this space uh, outside of the Lego foundation role for, for, for a long time as well. And I also support and fund um, neurodivergent founders and entrepreneurs and companies that commit to including um, a neurodivergent uh, team member in a a meaningful role, such as, you know, a C-suite role or a co-founder. But, um, you know, to answer your question, I, yeah, I think, um, you know, There's uh, some obvious examples, at least from my perspective, like even the companies that um, Lego is supporting. I was really happy that there's such a broad range of companies and organizations that, uh, you know, expand different geographies, um, different uh, types of solutions. Some are hardware, some are software, some are programs. you know, there's a uh, uh, an interesting one um, called uh, Felicia that's uh, headquartered in 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 uh, in London, um, and they and they produce an innovative input system for interfacing with connected devices. So I think there's huge potential there. Um, I've met I've just... met the
0: founders of Felicia. They're a great company. Okay, yeah,
2: they're yeah, they're it's pretty, it's pretty they're pretty extraordinary. Um, and so uh, you know, they I've I've been. Um, uh, trying to help, you know, help them because I, I believe in what they're doing. And, and I think that there's a lot of potential even beyond what they currently have as, as their product, you know, like you could get into like the future thinking of like the internet of things and all these connected devices and all these um, uh, there's, there's, there's even more, I think um, more potential for that company than um, even, even where they're currently at. Um, but it's uh, it's an interesting solution uh, especially for, especially for, especially for some kids that have more significant challenges, but also you know in terms of communication, but also uh, have um, a lot of strengths. And it just it just it's just a very accessible solution, and um, it's and it's very broad. I mean it's it's just some it's a solution that could also help you know adults you know that have had a stroke or. Um, mm-hmm. it's, and, 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 you know, my, my kids have actually played for it and they all really enjoyed it. It's really playful. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a really interesting way of, um, learning skills like, uh, turn taking and sharing, you know, cause they, <laughs> like my triplets. they each, they each had their own Cosmo. Right. And it's mm-hmm. just, it just made it easier. Um, there was, and more motivating, to be playing games, right? And there's there's this physical device that they're interacting with, and it, it seemed to, to to make a difference in them lear- learning that important skill, right? Of just you know just take turn taking, right, and learning to share and 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 those type of skills. Um, and but there's also um other companies that are uh, are are technically outside of ed tech, but still have a strong educational component, like Little Journey. Um, they're working on a, a personalized. Care solution to help neurodivergent kids uh, in in clinics, clinical and hospital settings. You know, which there tends to be a lot of anxiety, and so there's a huge need there as well. And so I think I think technology could is you know is hugely important to help neurodivergent kids. Um, it, it, there's there there's ways in which that their experience can be more enjoyable and playful and where they feel like they, you know, there's more of a sense of belonging and being included and having a personalized experience. So even, you know, that company, um, they have different, you know, ways ways of uh, uh, programs and curriculum where kids are able to um, prepare for, you know, different types of of hospital or clinical procedures or experiences, which uh, which which can reduce anxiety and. And um, you know that in itself is, I think, hugely important for the quality of life for these kids. So there's these different, you know, there's some very different companies that um, were selected in this next phase, but they're all, I think, uh, amazing and and uh, certainly on the path of making an important social impact in this in this field.
0: Fantastic, and. In terms of you know any use of technology where you think it, it hasn't been thought through so coherently or you know d- doesn't necessarily lead to that, that positive impact, are there any scenarios that you think that's a bit more questionable or you know where people should mm-hmm. sort of put their red flags up? Right. And well, without mentioning any
2: any uh, names, um, I would say. Um, there I think uh, I think it's been well established there, and this gets a little bit out of out of the edtech space, but um, there has been in the past and and I think most of them are no longer doing this kind of thing. but there has been some um, technology platforms more in the recruitment space um, that just uh, weren't taking into consideration how their approach might, bias or affect neurodivergent job seekers and there was things you know for example and, and there was you know different companies I think that you know were, were I don't I don't you know they, they I think they had the right um, intention in mind but you know we're doing things like um, re, you know trying to do like facial recognition and trying mm. to understand sh- under, understand like quantify social skills and Mm. And translate that into like suitability for employment, mm. and you know it that is, kind of thing. You know, I- inherently, obviously, would be by bi- would be biasing against. Um, I mean, obviously, neuro-, neuro-, neuro neurodiversity encompasses a pretty broad range of um, different different unique minds. You know, ADHD, yeah. dyslexia, autistic, et cetera. But um, you know, especially for some of the really brilliant autistic people that could, you know, completely change, um, the direction of a company with innovative ideas and, you know, maybe who knows, but, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, you're not going to, in in terms of understanding, like trying to evaluate facial expressions and, you know, if someone smiled at the right moment, I mean, that's just not, an appropriate way of judging whether that person is yeah. going to be a good employee
0: i guess this um, goes back to the notion of like universal design because I, i'm kind of um uncomfortable anyway with um this increasing use of sort of facial recognition or whether someone's engaged and like you say when you boil it down to whether someone should be employed because they smile at the right moment like how d- ridiculous does that sound it's crazy right
2: well well and especially if 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 there are individuals being ex- excluded from the talent pool, and it's not, you know, does has nothing to do with whether or not they would actually perform mm. ex- exceedingly well in that position. Um, and then there's cultural, you know, differences too that have to take be taken into consideration as well. I mean, like somewhere like South Korea, uh, where you know, um, it's considered a sign of, of respect to mm. be, um, You know, uh, to 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 uh, not have as much direct eye contact, right? Um, Yeah. So so there's there's all sorts of factors considered, but I think I think the biggest um, issue is 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 trying to again going back to this, like you know, how do we shift mindsets? How it's the hardest thing to do, but as I think it's the most important long term is how do we change how people think so they at least question themselves you know they at least take that take that you know extra time to take a step back and say hey is is this the right process is this is this the best process for my company in attracting the best talent mm-hmm. you know is there other ways of doing things that we're going to with that's actually going to give us a competitive edge you know, if 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 we rethink our processes and we audit ourselves essentially to try to eliminate these type of biases, um, you know, because I, I personally, I think, you know, we're looking to the future and, you know, things are changing really rapidly, right? I mean, so we've been like, you know, outside of, of I mean, it's certainly going to affect education. There's no doubt about that. But even outside of education, like, like technology is is going to become increasingly more integrated in just about every profession and every area of our life. And, uh, you know, unique skill sets out of the box, thinking, creativity, all of these types of skill sets, um, are going to become increasingly important. And, you know, personally, I feel like, uh, Every organization should be going out of their way in a company to be recruiting more neurodivergent thinkers, if not for any other reason, to be a hedge against groupthink, right? Because you have individuals that are some really unique problem solving capabilities and they're not going to be as sensitive to like social, you know, I mean, mean, for the most part, like they're not going to be as concerned or aware of like, you know, okay, the whole group thinks this way, so I'm going to follow, you know, the herd and 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 i think i think every organization and company especially going into when you think about where the future is going needs someone like that even on their leadership team you know because a hedge against like yeah. it, it's it's actually a risk to their business and organization to not have someone willing to speak up and risk their social status and say you know what you know there's actually maybe a better way to be doing this and you know, um, uh, I, I see this differently, you know, what, if, but what, if, let's think, let's think, let's think of, let's, let's, let's open up the conversation. Let's, let's think if there's a better way we can be, can do this because those in my opinion are the companies and the organizations that are going to be the most successful in the future are the, are the ones that can adapt the ones that can be more open to new ways of thinking and different ways of thinking. And I think it's always a risk to have, if you have everyone that's, you know, Uh, Even even in terms of their perceptual, analytical and cognitive capabilities being completely correlated because um, because they're not necessarily going to identify risks to the organization or or they might be more concerned about, you know, the social social issues or loss of social status if they speak up.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, I can. Tell, that's really fascinating. And yeah, you mentioned the those scenarios where you know you, you have that alternative voice, um, and how critical that can be in terms of both innovation, but also mitigating against risk, mitigating against risk. Have you got any examples that you love to share of either particular? Uh, boards or companies or innovators that um you know benefit from from um neurodivergent thinking as well
2: yeah i mean well i think um you know i have a couple couple of uh, uh reactions to that i mean i mean one you know the, there is an extraordinary number of if you look throughout history of trailblazers people that have completely you know change your understanding of the world yeah that uh you know whether they were open or not about it or diagnosed at the time were clearly uh had a very unique mind and 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 neurodivergent um uh way of thinking and i i think um you know so I even mean, there's just several Nobel prize winners there's um, lots of entrepreneurs, you know, we know Richard Branson is very open about his dyslexia, for instance, and you know says it's not his dyslexia has that his success, in his opinion, is because of his unique way of thinking and his dyslexia, not in spite of it. And and so I think it's just you know it's just it's just I think um, it's important again going back to the shifting mindsets of realizing like it's what some people see as a disability that could be a huge advantage in, in given the right environment, given the right context, given, you know, entrepreneur. I mean, there's a lot of research about 88 people with ADHD or, you know, ADHD or um, really excelling uh, in entrepreneurship, willing to take, you know, more risk. And then, um, you know, probably saw Elon Musk, for instance, uh, uh, was very public on Saturday night live, not that long ago about, Having been diagnosed with Asperger syndrome, um, so you know, I I, I think um, I think there's so many, and then even when you know the when uh, the Lego Foundation Play for All Accelerator initially launched, and we were being covered in the media. I had um, I can't tell you how many C-suite and senior vice presidents of major corporations wrote, out, wrote to me and and told me privately that they were in our diversion and were sort of debating whether they should tell their boss or be public about it. So there's a lot of people out there that their success and even their leadership abilities and their creativity and innovation is because they think different. But what we need to what we need to change is you know where there's this um, where there's this sort of negative association um, with being different, right? That you know there should be more of an appreciation of different unique ways of being and 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 different thinking styles and different minds. Um, and so I, th- I think there's tons of examples throughout history. Um, there's there was also, you may be aware of uh, JP. Morgan in their autism at work program um, because we, you know, always have to keep in mind that with, you know, even within autism, it's, it's such a wide spectrum, right. And, 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 and everyone is, in my opinion, you know, is, 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 is is, should be valued as as an individual and should be uh, appreciated and given opportunities. Um, And JP Morgan, for instance, like, you know, they had a study where, pilot study with for, for their autism at work program where they showed that their the um autistic employees that they they hired were uh I think forty eight was it from I think it was forty eight percent more productive um than the, the neurotypical uh employees in the in the same position. So you know it's it it, it it at least the evidence that we're looking at in many cases it's 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 not. Uh, it's certainly not that this population can't be really, really good at their job. I think there's some issues and biases in how people are being um, evaluated. Mm. You know, in the in the initial selection process, and you know, especially for leader, when you get into sort of more leadership or, or high level positions, it gets a little more complicated too. I think because. Because there's such a strong emphasis, sometimes even maybe perhaps unconsciously, of like social familiarity with management, right? You know who's going to the Christmas parties, who's going out to drinks, yeah. And you know this in, in neurodivergent people overall, they don't you know really play office politics really well, but they're really you know generally speaking, like in my experience, like really work really 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 hard, and you know probably more qualified than than other people that get some of these jobs. Um, and so there's you know there's that just, uh, this, it, that's hard to change, you know, it goes back to changing mindsets, like how, you know, trying to, trying to change mindsets of what's the best way to evaluate talent that can really drive a company and organization forward in the future and being open to doing things differently than has been done in the past. And and I believe there should be any way more motivation to do that now than, ever because you know we're entering a period where technologies and artificial intelligence robotics you know are increasingly becoming more uh integrated into our lives and different ways of thinking uh and problem solving are going to become more and more important and so i think um you know I, i i i think that it's it's important to um uh Really, really understand the value and appreciate the kind of talent uh, you know that that can come along with hiring neurodivergent people. Um, it's not charity; it, it 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 can absolutely change a business, right, and their bottom line, you know,
0: as well. So that's where I think at the beginning where I think people are now starting to understand, okay, hang on. This is like, you know, before perhaps those stereotypes really kind of were at the forefront. Whereas I think now there's, there's a, there are some better public um, examples or, 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 or exposure to those public examples of, you know, how brilliant that can be. But like you say, it's um, yeah, it is, is is then, well, how do you take the steps to, to actually, um, give those people the best experiences and environment to do their best work in the way that you would do for everyone else. So, um, right. Yeah. And
2: and it, and it's very possible that if there was, I believe anyway, if there was more flexibility in how, uh, you know, talent was being evaluated, not just in jobs, but, you know, earlier on right in the education system and taking a more strength-based approach, that uh, that could benefit everyone, not just neurodivergent children.
0: Absolutely. So when does the Playful Accelerator Fund close in terms of actions that people might want to follow up with?
2: Well, we're in process. So we're, uh, you know, there was the first cohort selected and and we're in phase two now and and we'll be entering phase three, uh, the phase three competition in coming months. But um, my understanding anyway is that this is a long-term commitment. And so companies and organizations that are interested in future cohorts um, can register their interest on the Legal Foundation website. And, uh, you know, they'll, the, they can put in their emails and contact details, and then they'll, I believe, be alerted to um, the next phase application process
0: fantastic and um dr maureen if people want to find out more about your work how should they go about doing that as well um you can uh, you know connect with me on on
2: linkedin um you can also I, I you know reach out to me directly at my email address which is maureen m-a-u-r-e-e-n at autism org. um so that I think that's probably the, the most direct way to reach out to me or you can follow me on LinkedIn.
0: That's wonderful. And in terms of your work, investing or backing companies that place uh neurodivergent talent into, uh, you know, executive roles, if I understand that correctly, mm-hmm. is that an international, yes. is that an international kind of endeavor or, or to within the U S at the moment?
2: Um, we've been open the, the, uh, Current cohorts um, have been in the U.S. so far, but it's been expanding. And, um, you know, we're really excited about, uh, so we've, we've got some, some uh, really interesting companies that we are backing now, and we have partnerships with um, incubators. And there's two that are going to be presenting actually at the Stanford Neurodiversity Summit in October. Uh, about this program and I'm also going to be delivering a keynote um, mostly focused on the, the, the Lego foundation play for all accelerator um, as well. Uh, But yeah, that's the the neurodiverse entrepreneurship program. And I I think it's it's pretty unique in that, um, you know, what we're trying to do there is so, so like with the Lego foundation um, program, It's uh, a lot of it, you know, is about like, hey, how how can we, how can we really invest in this space that has been massively uh, underfunded in the past, and you know, and 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 make sure that there's significant funding in promoting new innovations that can really make the world more inclusive in the future. Um, And then this other program that I co-founded is is uh you know because the lego foundation works more a little bit focused on children right so that it's you know thinking much more about like how do we start young and 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 influence you know the worlds in the future and make it more inclusive and this other program is more about you know we know that the especially for, for autistic people you know the unemployment rate is still unacceptably high and not everyone's going to fit into a large company. Right. And, and so, you know, just establishing new opportunity pathways is really, really important to me. And I think entrepreneurship um, is, is one that can work right for, for, for some people, not for everyone. And so we wanted, you know, the goal there was I wanted to support people uh, to be successful in, in that uh, endeavor as, as an alternative way of, of employment. Um, and so that that company i mean that uh, that program's being expanded
0: fantastic thank you um so I think that brings us to the end so thank you so much for um sharing your work. I hope that you get the chance now to like enjoy some reading or some peace and quiet um <laughs> a special morning uh, your time yeah. and uh, yeah thanks so much for for sharing everything you're doing what we'll do We'll get
2: this out Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. I
0: really, really enjoyed our conversation.
2: Thank
0: you. <laughs> thank you. That's all for this episode. My thanks to Maureen and to Felix and to Learnocity and Work Trip for supporting. If you enjoyed this episode, do share and tag someone else you think would enjoy. Otherwise, have a wonderful, wonderful week. A big shout out to um, our Queenie, who I think only now we're realising um, whatever your views on the monarchy, that role of constancy, of consistency, of a sounding board to uh, transient PMs and uh, the stoicism and dignity in which she took the role that was given to her and fulfilled that across her life. So trying to bring some of those qualities to my work um, Uh, as we all reflect on on her um, death recently. So, um, yeah, so let's uh, be more queen and have a wonderful week, as I said. Bye-bye.